Hello and welcome to One to Grow On, a show where we dig into questions about agriculture and try to understand how food production impacts us and our world. My name is Hallie Casey and I studied and currently work in agriculture. My name is Chris Casey. I'm Hallie's dad and I do not. Each episode, we dig into topics relating to agriculture and how it affects us and we try to get Hallie to answer important questions. But this week, we are talking about the government shutdown. So at this point, when we are recording it is Sunday morning, January 27th. And currently, the the government is open until February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day. But it was closed for what, like a month? It was closed for 35 days. It was the longest shutdown in history. Really quickly, I'm going to kind of explain what the shutdown was and what it meant for folks who might not be up on the news in the U.S. Okay, before you start, I just want to give a little background. So for all of our episodes, Hallie and Catherine do um, all the research and they they have meetings. Mm -hmm. They do quite a bit of research. And I usually come into this stuff fresh and for example for the green revolution episode it was like oh that's really cool oh Mm -hmm. that's really bad oh that's really cool well i feel like this episode is there's just going to be a lot of oh man this makes me angry oh man (laughs) this also makes me angry oh hey now i'm more angry yeah probably so that's uh kind of how i have been feeling for the past you know 20 days right Probably so. Yeah, heads up if you don't want to get super mad. This this episode might make you feel that way because I'm kind of going to be talking about the effects of the shutdown on the food system in general and specifically on farmers. So, yeah. All right. So, so what's going on with this okay. shutdown thing? So really quickly, some background if you're not up on U.S. news or don't really understand the mechanics of the U.S. government. We have three branches of government. We have a legislative branch whose main prerogative is to fund the government. That is why the legislative branch was created. And we also have an executive branch who has the ability to veto things created by the legislative branch. So if the legislative branch creates a budget, which would be in the form of a bill, and then passes it through both chambers of the legislative branch, the House and the Senate, it it then goes to the desk of the president, who is the head of the executive branch, and he has the ability to veto it. So basically, what's been happening is both houses of the legislative branch, the House and the Senate, had been controlled by the Republican Party, who is also in control of the executive branch. That's the party of the current sitting president. And they hadn't yet passed a budget and an election happened. And so one of the houses, the House, had switched to Democratic control and the president said he wasn't going to sign a bill that didn't have funding for a wall on the southern border of the United States. And so what happened was the House passed a bill without funding for the wall and the Senate would not vote on that bill. They have the ability to just say, no, we're not going to vote on this. And so there was just no budget. There was no funding. So people were not able to get paid because there was not an allocation of where the money was going to go. Yeah, there, there were just... Uh, I don't know how many government workers were infected. Uh, sorry, affected. Yeah, but about eight hundred thousand people went without wow. paychecks for thirty days, and some of them had to show up to work anyway. Yeah, a lot of people were compelled, to, like by the federal government, to come to work without being paid. Like if you were in TSA, for example, or some of the other. Mostly, mostly it's around law enforcement. There were some other folks as well, but it's mostly around law enforcement um, where folks had to come to work without pay. 
And now there is a three-week spending like stopgap bill where the government is funded for the next three weeks until February fifteenth, and then who knows what's going to happen after that. So basically, they go- have given three weeks to you know pay everyone and reopen departments and try and come up with a solution to fund it for the full fiscal year. So that is the basics. That's what's going on in America, everybody. But uh, all yeah. right, so why are we talking about it on an agriculture podcast? Okay, so the federal government is very involved in agriculture. They are very involved in agriculture here in the U.S. Uh, so I really wanted to talk about why this is happening. Um, Catherine actually started a thread on our Twitter that was talking about like some of the different ways that the shutdown was affecting agriculture, um, farmers and research and all these different aspects of agriculture. And I really want to talk about it on the show because I thought that was a great idea. And she did a really good job curating some articles. So if you want to learn more about this, you can check out our Twitter or you can check out our Patreon where we'll also post a bunch of extra research and articles that aren't going to make it into this episode. At one to grow on pod, just in case you didn't know. Yeah. So I've kind of split up how we're going to do this into three chunks. So we're going to first talk about farmers, and then we'll talk about research, agricultural research. And then at the end, we'll talk about consumers and how the shutdown is affecting you guys, everyone who eats food. So under like how it affects farmers, there are a lot of things that the USDA does. One of the things that it was still doing while the government was shut down was just giving basic updates on where the markets were. So this is things like reporting prices and trends and stuff like that. There were some inspections that were open. So the USDA inspects poultry, meat, dairy, stuff like that. For the most part, that was open. Uh, their workforce, I think, was reduced. They they furloughed some of the inspectors and kept some of the inspectors on without pay. Because who needs safe food? Who needs it? <laughs> we'll go on and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the consumer section. We'll come back to that. Yeah. But things like import inspections, for the most part, were were happening um, to a pretty high standard. Those were pretty fine. So things like SNAP, which is a food assistance program for low-income families, was funded, but the disbursements were kind of weird. So usually customers on the SNAP program will get their disbursements on the first of the month. But for February, they got their disbursements on January 20th. I honestly don't know the ramifications of that, but it did happen. USDA runs some other food assistance programs and they were similarly like kind of functioning, but not quite functioning. They also provide school lunch funding as well. And there were some issues there where like there were no new funds to give schools, but if schools had like purchased in bulk or like pre-purchased before the shutdown started in December, then they were good, but like they weren't getting additional funds to go out and purchase more food for students. Um, and then there were there were some other things, particularly around data. So farmers really, really rely on reporting and data that's collated from the USDA and then analyzed. And this is basically the USDA predicting what the agricultural market will be this year. So this is saying, like, this is what we think the value of your crops will be. This is what we expect the markets will look like. So they kind of know right now is a key decision making time for farmers. So the USDA is providing really, really important data that they were not able to provide. The data was still being collected, but it was not being analyzed or dispersed to the public. So that had real ramifications for farmers. But the real thing that was the real issue for farmers was money. So the federal government gives farmers a lot of money. In different forms, the USDA provides some funds and the Farm Bill, which is through Congress, also provides some funds. And farmers just basically weren't getting that, whether it was loans or grants or subsidies. 
there were a lot of farmers that were expecting money and were not getting it. And there was reporting that like people were just like having to stop farming because like one, they couldn't afford to purchase inputs like seeds or machinery that they would need for the upcoming year. And like I said, like now is a really important time for farmers. And, you know, if if folks had a mortgage and they were expecting a grant or a loan from the federal government and they just weren't getting it, you you can't you can't go 35 days and just say, I'll get I'll get it to you. Um, in some cases, like this, this was make or break for farmers. And for some people, like they were just they just had to exit the industry, which is a huge economic loss. So it's not that they just couldn't work. It's just they couldn't be farmers anymore. Yeah, that's much. crazy. Wow. Yeah, I mean, last year the federal government provided two point two billion dollars to thirty five thousand farmers, which you know that's that's about wow. sixty five thousand dollars per farmer. Like that's a huge amount to go without. And January is a key point for funding for like a year of of farming. So one of the reasons why this was such an issue was the timing. So farmers are buying seeds now. Like this is the time of year. Early, early spring to like late winter is when farmers will buy seeds. They'll buy machinery. They are making decisions on what to grow now. And you can't really pause being a farmer. Like the year will plot on. The earth will continue to spin and you rely on, on these cyclical patterns of, of the year to organize your whole decision making process and like your whole company and everything because you have to plant them at a specific date. It's not like if you're working in a factory where you can just close down for two or three weeks and you'll lose profits and you'll have some issues. But with farming, it is like, it's huge to lose one month of the year. So it's, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a really, really big thing for farmers. Wow. So yeah, it's not just, I mean, there are a lot of federal workers that, that were really badly affected, but mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, Definitely a, a, an effect on a slightly different scale or in a, in a different way where it can upset your whole year. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know. I don't, I don't want to take anything away from what anyone went through, but th- there's some ripple effects here that maybe the kind of which weren't seen in other places. I mean, that's true, but I like the magnitude to like this was 10% of the year. Like that is a huge wow. thing. And f- like, <laughs> I'm so angry. I know. I know. I I really like I'm not trying to underplay what anyone else went through because like this is going to have ripple effects for everyone, probably in the whole country. Yeah. Like when you think about it, if farmers weren't able to buy seeds, they're not going to be able to plant seeds. And we're probably just going to have less food, which is like going to have a huge economic effect on the country. It's probably not going to affect our national food supply, but it's going to have an economic effect. And like, even if you're just a federal worker and, and your, you know, income is not dependent on this yearly cycle, you're still going to have a, like, you're still going to be affected for the next, you know, year, if not longer, I think, because stuff like this is so, like, it can ripple out. And like, there is a lot of reporting that the average American has about two paychecks of savings and that's that's the amount of, of time that they can go without being paid. So, I mean, I'm very glad that the government is reopened. Everyone's going to get their back pay, but this has huge consequences. Yeah, it really does. And I don't know, I can imagine, I mean, I know we're going to talk about consumers uh, in the second half, but, mm-hmm. you know, if, if there's certain food that we're not going to have enough as much of or food that Farmers aren't going to be able to grow. Maybe we'll have to get mm. more imported, whatever. It's going to affect supplies, like you said, and prices, I'm guessing. Yeah. So 
most of what we're looking at in terms of what's not being planted are like grain crops and our pulse crops. So, so staples. <laughs> yeah, yeah, things like wheat, soybeans, sorghum, stuff like that. That might affect prices. Um, that'll affect the overall economy for sure. I don't really know, honestly, about the horticultural crops, things like fresh fruits and vegetables, where they're at. Oftentimes, those will operate with a higher margin. Not always, but. If I were to hazard a guess, and I'm basing this on no actual data or information, I would suspect that it would not as much affect prices, but it is it is going to have an economic effect for sure. It's going to affect GDP. Oh, man. So it affects government workers. It affects farmers and their whole cycle of doing business. Mm-hmm. And then also it looks like it affects people doing research on growing plants and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about this a little bit in past episodes, but the federal government funds a lot of the research that happens in the agricultural space here in the U.S. and also internationally as well. But there are grants that have not been awarded. There is research that hasn't been done. There are graduate students that haven't been paid. Like, Harvard set up a loan system for their postdocs because if you're a postdoc on an NSF grant, like there was a chance that your bills weren't going to get paid last month. Wow. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's particularly difficult for research like agriculture that includes living things. Like you can't just walk away from a field trial or walk away from a bacteria culture and then come back to it 35 days later. Like, right, right. It's not like a machine you can turn off. It's, it's still doing its thing. Exactly. Yeah. And like that can seriously disrupt research. And again, like this is 10% of the year. So like 10% of this year, we're going to have significantly less research than we otherwise would have. It's just amazing to me that this, this you know, one decision affects so much. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. And this, this time is, is lost. And I don't know, I would love to take you know, a month of from work off uh, as a vacation. But when something comes from the top like this and, and everything has shut down, it's just like, uh, and yeah. people don't have a choice in the matter. And uh, all these dominoes are just sort of falling and one thing affects another thing. And now I'm just rambling, but it's angry rambling. Yeah. No, it's true. And and the thing about like when you take a vacation from work, you're going to be able to kind of structure your work around knowing that's coming. Right. And if right. you're like a researcher at the USDA and then one day you're just like, you can't come to work. And if you have an experiment in the process or if you're working on submitting to a grant or to a conference with a deadline coming up and you just can't do that, like that's huge not only for that individual scientist but like for our body of scientific knowledge like uh drives me crazy people are going to come back to these super bacteria cultures that are going to take over the world <laughs> well speaking of knowing when vacations are coming uh i think it's a great time to go into the break let's go Thanks very much to our patrons. We have one new patron, Corkhead. Thank you so much for joining our community. And thanks, as always, to our Starfruit-level patron, Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Corkhead, for supporting us, for supporting our show. Uh, you can check us out at patreon.com slash one to grow on pod. You know, $1 a month, $2 a month. We'll get you access to all kinds of stuff. If you are unable to give a monetary donation but want to help us out, it would be huge if you could leave us an iTunes review. It's not that hard. 
Uh, it takes about one minute. So if you have Apple Podcasts on your iPhone or if you have a non-iPhone, you can download it. You can just search One to Grow On in the podcast search bar and we should come up. You can just scroll down and you'll see a couple of the episodes. You'll see some old ratings and reviews. And then down below, you'll see where you can click five stars and you can write a short review. Please leave a review. I love reading the reviews. <laughs> the reviews are so great. They make me so happy. It's true. Yeah. Just click the stars, say a few nice words, and, and we're just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we get a new review and we have a, uh, a team meeting coming up, dad will like start the meeting off by being like, we have a new review. Let me read it to you. It's true. And you guys, like the level of joy in his voice when he reads this to us, uh, it's incomparable. It's great. It's really, really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a sucker for a good review. I'm the guy that refreshes the page to see if there's a new one. So if you could take one minute to go and do this, it would be huge for us. It really helps folks find the show um, and also brings dad a lot of joy. So if, if you could, that would be amazing. Thank you very much. All right, let's get back to it. Back to the episode. <sighs> okay, are you ready to talk about consumers? Is this the happy part of the episode? This is not the happy part of the episode. <laughs> oh, man. I was hoping. I'm sorry. I usually try and include happy stuff, but I just didn't have anything that I could include. I mean, it's important to know what this stuff is doing, and it's important to know, so hopefully it never happens again. And maybe we have this stuff in our memory, so if we're ever at another threat of a government shutdown, people can say, hey, look at all this stuff you did last time. Let's not do this again. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. All right. How did, it, how did it affect me when I'm going to shop for food and buy food and all that stuff? So the FDA is down to 50% of staff, or was before the government was reopened, I should clarify, um, was before the government was reopened, down to 50% of their inspectors. And the FDA also inspects drugs. So they were mostly focusing on drugs. Oh, boy. So while most most food is not inspected that we eat, right? Like, sure. It, it normally is not an issue when we have a shutdown because, you know, they're only really inspecting like 5% of the food that goes out. However, because it was 35 days, it was quite so long, there was a really considerable amount of food that was not inspected. And this actually does have food health experts concerned. Yeah. And I mean, there's sort of this weird area where companies do have an interest in not making people sick, mm -hmm. but it's still good to have that sort of extra layer of protection where, you know, you have a, a, a system where you have that extra check, you know, just to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it is. And it's important because sometimes things just aren't caught. And food health experts are worried that what's going to happen is some of the food that you know, was processed later in the shutdown is now going to be hitting shelves and that food might be contaminated. So they're not really worried about the food that we have been eating right, okay. for the past, you know, like a couple of weeks because that either was inspected or, yeah, was was in the time frame where it was still fairly recently um, inspected. But we're, we're getting into the area where food health experts are becoming concerned that there is contaminated food that is hitting the shelves. Hope you like Listeria. Sorry, I said food health. I meant food safety. I mean, it's important for food to be healthy. <laughs> okay. So the inspectors are coming back, but there's a 30-day 
window of food that's not inspected and hopefully nothing bad will happen to anyone, but people are a little on edge. Keep your head on a swivel. Right. Keep your eyes out. Like, it's probably going to be fine. I do not want to cause a panic. Yeah. But I do want to be clear, like, this is something the experts are talking about. There you go. So I'm not saying, like, don't eat food for the next two weeks. That's not a good solution. But, like, watch out. Like, if you start feeling unwell, maybe keep an eye on it. Don't don't freak out. I don't want to cause a panic, but I want to be clear that this is something that is a concern. It is indeed. And we were talking about programs like SNAP and WIC earlier. Mm-hmm. And people who need assistance, uh, federal assistance to get food, uh, have been having problems as well. Yeah. So I, I included this down here as well because it also does affect consumers. So like I said, the disbursement for SNAP was kind of weird. And there's some other things with WIC and TANF where it wasn't quite functioning at full functionality. There were also some stores that were not able to re-up or get their EBT license, which is basically allowing them to take SNAP benefits. Oh, man. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Gee, so even even if the program's funded and if the stores can't take it. Yeah. Uh, then, then you just can't use it. Yeah. The new this new bill is only funded for three weeks. And so we don't we don't really know what will happen to food assistance programs, because if there is another shutdown in February, that will be an issue because food assistance is, you know, monthly. It's like a monthly disbursement. And, you know, they they currently have their February benefits. They were dispersed on the 20th of January, but they're not funded into February and March. So if there is another shutdown, it will become an issue. Um, similarly, there is a separate program that I think is run out of the Department of Interior, which is food distribution on Indian reservations. And that was funded until the end of January, but there was no plan if the shutdown had continued into February. So it is unclear if there is a second shutdown, which we don't know if there will be, and it goes into March, what will happen then? So these people have been getting food, but there's, like you said, no plan um, if to fund it if the shutdown went into February. And right now the government's only funded until February 15th. So a little bit of a question mark there. Yeah, yeah. We're mostly good. But again, like if if this shutdown had continued, like the most vulnerable people would have been on the line. Yeah. And that makes me really angry. Yeah. When when uh, politicians fight, it's always the most vulnerable who, who bear the brunt of the effects, I think. Yeah. And that's really hard to see. Um, me working on a reservation, I saw some examples where it was very cute and it made me very frustrated. Uh, I work with schools and some of the schools are funded by the Bureau of Indian Education, which is out of the Department of Interior, which the Department of Interior was not funded. So I had schools that were unable to bring teachers back for the spring semester because they were not able to issue contracts because the government was shut down. So I had kids that were going to schools where like the principal would just have to sit in a classroom for an hour because there wasn't a teacher and the kids would just sit there unable to learn. Or I had like elderly people who we had a big snowstorm uh, during the shutdown and the reservation is plowed by the federal government. And so they were just unable to leave their house and go and get food because the roads weren't plowed. And I, I, I don't know. I, I saw a lot of different, very acute effects on really, really vulnerable people. And I was so angry and I'm still so angry and I was just yelling about it a lot. And yeah, I it's hard because there is just so little you can do other than providing direct resources that otherwise the federal government would be providing to your own community. And in some cases, that's just not possible. So 
Yeah. Oh. And I don't know. There are probably some out there who think that a lot of these things shouldn't be funded by the federal government anyway. Um, there'll be people out there that don't think we should have federal assistance programs for SNAP and WIC. Uh, we shouldn't have, you know, food assistance to native reservations. Um, we shouldn't have, uh, insurance or loans to farmers. I mean, there'll be people who, who think that for sure. I don't know if they'll be among our listenership, but I mean, that's part of what libertarianism, libertarianism is. Uh, it's part of what republicanism is to some extent with, you know, wanting smaller government. Um, and typically they're, you know, quote unquote on the side of supporting the farmer. But this is, I think, the kind of programs that a lot of people on the more conservative end of the spectrum would want to cut. And I think it's fine to have that conversation, but cutting them off suddenly like this where everyone's affected and people's lives are, are affected so drastically. And in many cases, their livelihoods are on the line. Uh, this is, yeah, there's just nothing good about this. Yeah, I see what you mean. I think, I think we can all agree that this, what, whether or not you think that these programs should be in existence, I think we can definitely all agree that this was frankly irresponsible and amoral. This shutdown hurt people and had no particular political benefit. Uh, and it was, it was dangerous and people lost jobs and kids went hungry. And that's just the truth of the matter. Yeah. Like I said, when politicians fight, the most vulnerable bear the brunt of the effect. Yeah. So really quick to wrap up long-term effects. So when the government shutdowns ends, it's going to go away, right? <laughs> no, no, unfortunately not. So there, there is still a backlog of applications for things like loans in the USDA. So it will take a while for the USDA to get up to speed. It will take a lot longer for loans that are owed to farmers to get dispersed, even if the government is functioning, just because they weren't able to function for 35 days. So there is a huge backlog of work. Uh, like I mentioned, like we have research that hasn't been done. Last year, NSF funded $133 million between December 2017 and January 2018. So, I mean, by comparison, NSF has awarded $0 in that same time frame this year. Man. The economy, like farmers who are hurting financially, aren't buying as much. They're not going to be producing as much. You're, you're going to have issues with data and how that will affect economic decision making. I mean, like I mentioned, we have food safety where we don't know if the food that is going to be on our shelves now and in the next couple of weeks is going to be food safe. Farmers who went out of business are no longer farming. So the actual industry, the actual agricultural industry is going to be smaller. We also had more people who are unemployed because they had to quit farming. It's, yep, that's long-term effects. I'm very sorry this was such a bummer of an episode, but I really, really think that it is important to talk about not just the political consequences, not just the consequences to federal employees, but the consequences to people who rely on the federal government. Yeah, and it's not just the part that they rely on from the government. It's, like you said, the farmers aren't buying as much, so the people that the farmers buy from are going to be affected, and their families, mm -hmm. are, and it's just going to ripple out like that. And mm -hmm. uh, the moral of the story is don't don't shut down the government, people. <laughs> Keep it going. Ah, jeez, so angry. I know. I feel like we should end on a lighter note. Do you have any like fun jokes we could tell? 
Um, I I really don't. I mean, <laughs> I think I think the hope is that this had such a negative effect. Maybe people will be more aware of it. Maybe maybe that's a little too uh, naive of a perspective because you know politicians fight and and people are affected. But hopefully enough people are aware of how people were affected that you know something on this scale won't happen again. Yeah, I really hope so. I I don't know many people who did not feel effects in one way or another, and it's yeah, it's very sad. It's very frustrating. Unfortunately, that's that's the note that we have to leave you on. But next week, it's going to be something really fun. I promise you. Back to fun and agriculture with with one to grow on. <laughs> next week, we promise it'll be great. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of One to Grow On. If you'd like to support the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash one to grow on pod. If you'd like to connect with us, find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at one to grow on pod. This show is hosted by me, Hallie Casey, and Chris Casey. It's produced by Catherine RJ and Hallie Casey. Our music is Something Elated by Broke for Free, and our show art is by Mariah Coley. Be sure to check out the next episode in two weeks. But until then, keep on growing. Bye, everybody.